0: Welcome to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast, where we're serving up gospel-fueled courage to the Christian woman to remain faithful in her calling. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast. Jordan and Lexi here. How's it going? Hello. Good. How are you? Good. Pretty good. So, um, today we are actually going to talk about natural medicine and discuss some of our thoughts on that. You just did a talk on this at one of your guys' groups Mm -hmm. at church. Yeah. So, it's obviously been on your mind. This is something that Lexi and I are both interested in, and I think 2020, um, just the year, has brought a lot of suspicion for people um, Mm -hmm. in regards to big pharma and big medicine and all that kind of stuff, especially with things that have come out, um, even like the recent Johnson & Johnson thing that came out with um, asbestos and the baby powders. Did you ever hear that?
1: Oh, yes, yes.
0: Yeah, just like weird stuff like that that Uh we learned in 2020 that's like, wow, I feel like I can't trust things like I used to be able to. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: And then to fast-tracking vaccines and just learning more about vaccines and Mm -hmm. questionable slash detestable ingredients that are in them. So, um, just a lot of that stuff has made me want to learn more and more about natural medicine. And, and then I think another part of my interest in it is that I see it, um, as our family grows as another branch of homemaking Mm -hmm. or home management, I'll say. Did Um, you, did you listen to that Angie Tolpin
1: thing I sent you? No, I haven't yet. Oh, I just, I loved it because that's exactly what she was saying is like, we need to reclaim this part of our job as homemakers to be the gatekeepers of medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was the first time I had thought of it in terms of, oh yeah, as moms, because we always talk about dads abdicating, but as moms, we've definitely abdicated this out to the professionals.
0: (laughs) And I have said this before in episodes, but um, Lexi and I definitely are not saying that you should never have professional help when it comes to medical stuff for your family. Both of our families have benefited in huge ways from um, doctors and hospitals and professionals in that area. But um, there are some things that we don't have to outsource when it comes to care for our families. So learning more about that. And this is just another branch of using your brain and being a mom and (laughs) a homemaker. So uh, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So we were teaching on care of the sick and the elderly. Um, And I think most of us agree throughout history, like Christians took care of the physical body and it was actually part of why hospitals were even created in the first place was because the sick were literally looked down upon. um, Or even once they were dead, Christians took up um, like burial, burial practices because we believe the body is actually valuable. We are a people who worships the incarnation. And so that means it changes the way we actually interact with the physical body. So that's why, that's why it can be dangerous when we talk about this subject. Like, well, we're just going to die and go to heaven anyways. What does it really matter? Well, actually, we're called the steward, the physical body, because our body reflects the image of Christ. So um, we were teaching, by me, I mean we and my friend Angie. Um, she's a nurse. She taught a more practical part of it, and I was kind of teaching the theological part of our hangout. But um, – I took a look at Titus 2 and I think it was first, I think, oh, first Timothy. It's first Mm -hmm. Timothy. Anyways, we were just looking at Titus 2, how it talks about loving your children, being patient and kind with them. And I was talking, I was applying it in terms of like, I wish somebody had taught me all this as a young mom because I spent so many of those, probably the first five years of parenting sick children, just frustrated and impatient because I don't
0: feel anxious like I had any of the right, what? And anxious for me. Just yes, a anxious. The unknown and feeling yes. like I need to, um, because I didn't know what to expect, quickly Correct. To get doctor and get antibiotics or whatever. Yes. Yeah. So I was
1: applying Titus too. Like we can, part of reclaiming that being patient and kind with your children is knowing how to actually knowing basic child development, you know, <laughs> um, knowing what it means when they have a fever, knowing how to treat those very acute illnesses, um, and then the second part, the reason why we looked at the widows was because I also think Christians need to care, need to recover. Um, what is the book? Rosaria Butterfield talks about the uh, deathbed hospitality. And I think that's another thing that the elderly care of elderly sick people gets pushed off to um, nursing homes. Mm-hmm. And that section in first Peter, it's, it's really interesting. I think it was Doug Wilson's, it was either Doug Wilson's commentary or Matthew Henry's commentary actually translate, translates the word for those who are to care for the widows as granddaughters. And so I don't necessarily know entirely the weight behind if that's true with that word, but it did make me think of in terms of we need to look at this as a vocation that God God has given to us, not something that's optional for us. So as a granddaughter, me, you know, my grandma was here for several months and we were caring for her. Um, that was a job God had given me, not something that I could push off to somebody else. So that was kind of the context of um, where we were going. And I think, I, I think even if none of you guys listening to us today, we've said this before, if you don't agree with how, our families have chosen to do this practically, that's totally fine. But I want you to understand that there is no neutral doctor's office. (laughs) And if you can look at what's happening in 2020 and believe that, then your head is literally in the sand. (laughs) So I don't know where you've been. You're probably not wearing a mask though. You probably don't even know about COVID if that's the case, (laughs) but more than ever, we need to realize, um, there are actual worldviews behind one, the people making the laws who you never are going to see. And two, the way the doctors in your doctor's offices are going to implement these things. Mm-hmm. So I am a big fan of finding Christian doctors, if possible. In Utah, that's just not really possible. Jordan, you have a,
0: is your OB? I always get yes. confused. Yeah, my OB is a Christian. Okay. And he's awesome and wonderful. And I'm so that's cool for really him. cool. So real quick, looking at this historically, let's look at the church.
1: Um, I think something I've always thought about, most of us think that we look at the world around us, we see the order, and we see order, therefore God exists. Mm -hmm. But the way Christians historically have thought of this, and I'm getting a lot of this from Piercy and Thaxton's book, The Soul of Science, the way Christians actually thought of this was God exists, therefore there must be order in the world. Let's go find it out. And that's how they came up with the scientific method. So the scientific method only makes sense if you believe there's order in the world, right? Like how else, why else, if you don't think there's any logical order, why would you ever conduct an experiment? Mm -hmm. So um, historically the church has held to the scientific method. um, But then there was a guy, his name, I don't, Giordano Bruno, I think is how you pronounce it. He was, um, kind of around the time of the, uh, what's the word? The Reformation. He was around the time of the Reformation and he was an Egyptian mystic. So he was kind of, the way they talk about in the book is as if he was the father father of modern science and medicine as we know it today. And his mysticism led him to practice witchcraft, what I would consider witchcraft and black magic, which. I also believe is much closer to modern medicine than science is close to modern medicine. Um, that's because he kind of, he kind of deviated from the, um, the view of experimentation and let's go with the results of these experiments and let's implement science and medicine based on um, our findings and he wanted to be an alchemist where he was, even though he wasn't getting the same outcome, even though he wasn't getting the desired outcome he wanted, he just kept practicing the same thing over and over and over again because in his worldview, that made sense, that you could do practice magic and science via magic. Mm -hmm. Magic and science. I don't know. I'm confused now. But um, does that make sense so far? Yeah. Okay. So let's think about, let's apply. Oh, the other thing I want to mention Christian t- church took this scientific method deviation from that serious enough that they burned him at the stake. They knew that it could not coexist with the Christian worldview, and that it was actually dangerous to the to the church. So they burned him at the stake. Um, so applying this to today, there are I've said this before from Shonda Parker's book. Uh, my friend Angie had a really good. Um, it was an actual study. I don't think it was PubMed. I want to say maybe it was John Hopkins University did an actual study showing that the number one killer in America is actual modern medicine, not heart disease, not cancer, but the practice of modern medicine. And a lot of it probably has to do with um, like malpractice. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but that should be very eye opening to us. But also, because most of the people, making these, um, what would you call them? Most of the people either practicing the experiments, developing these medicines, or the protocols on how to treat people in hospitals, most of them do not have a Christian worldview. Mm -hmm. So we should not be surprised that these medical practices have no science to back them up. So to me, it just makes sense that there would be no science there. Um, But I think because of that, we need to stop being so nervous about using alternative medicines because really what we need to be skeptical of is this thing that's about a hundred years old called modern medicine, right? Because it treats the body as a machine. It does not treat us as a soul that is incarnate with a body. Um, And it doesn't actually say that there's a God who orders that orders universe or that there's a God. Therefore people should be treated with dignity.
0: If you have been pregnant or ill or had a child that was ill and have been in the hospital for any amount of time, you will probably have noticed that protocols are not for individuals. And when we as moms get to practice natural medicine with our families and think through, okay, this is my child, I know my kid and I know what we're doing here and what, what we've been going through with this sickness, you can implement and um, really personalized things for the individual. Yeah. Where If you go, and like I said, again, I'm thankful for hospitals and modern medicine. Mm-hmm. It is not personalized. It is, no. this is what's happening to you. So across the board, if I had a kidney stone recently, if there is a person with a kidney stone, this is what happens to them at the <laughs> hospital. And I could go into a lot of detail about how that non-personalized care was detrimental <laughs> for me. <laughs> um, So yeah, I think that's one big thing to think about too is we are viewing people as human in our home where in a hospital, it's not always the case. Mm -hmm. It is more you are a number or a um, theoretical person (laughs) that is being treated. It's not that doctors are – doctors literally
1: can't deviate from the protocol. They get fired. So Mm -hmm. they're stuck in a system – that is just pumping out in a way doctors that are robots. So it it kind of it is hard to find doctors who are willing to deviate from that because they do just get fired. It all has to do with insurance and liabilities. And we I mean we know this because with COVID, when COVID first started, the New York doctors that were deviating from protocol because Mm -hmm. what they were told to do wasn't making sense with what was going on before Mm -hmm. their eyes, they got fired. Yeah. And
0: they became whistleblowers. So yeah, that's very real. Yeah. Very real. So, okay. Whenever you started thinking through this for your family, uh, I know you've kind of discussed that, but why practically natural medicine? Like give us your Mm -hmm. philosophy of like for your family, what really was the turning point for you guys?
1: Well, I want to say one thing first that I, I wanted to mention earlier. You and I talked about vaccines early on in recording actually. And there was somebody that reached out to us um, I don't know if it was me personally or on our, our Instagram page, and they kind of rebuked us for our <laughs> our view of vaccines, and it, it got me looking closer at it. Um, specifically, I came across a Doug Wilson article about vaccines where he was saying, like, He hadn't really settled on a place, but he was kind of saying like, we need more information about this. If you have more information, please send it my way. I want to make an informed decision. Mm -hmm. But if what we're seeing is really true, Christians should have nothing to do with this industry. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge eye opener to me um, with vaccines specifically. But then I think with natural medicine, we all got sick. All six of us got sick in, I think it was late January or early February. And around this same time, my son started having a lot of symptoms um, from his long term usage of his asthma medicine. And that is really expensive. Our insurance does not cover any of his asthma. So it's at the time, it was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars for us to manage all that a month. So this asthma was happening. We all got sick and we were so tired. We were sick for like two weeks. We were so tired and I had no method to caring for anyone. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of like I was reacting instead mm-hmm. of being proactive with it. And um, because it was around the same time COVID was happening, there was all sorts of warnings about Tylenol and COVID mm-hmm. mixing. And so Brian was researching that. I was trying to sleep <laughs> and mm-hmm. he had kind of said to me, you know, we need a better game plan. This isn't working. We, with how many of us are, are now with all of us getting sick at once and being tired, we could easily overdose and cause great harm to our children. Mm-hmm. And so he had kind of just told me, get a better plan together. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but because of Ari's asthma issues, we also, I, I was to the point where I was like, okay, I need to start weaning him off this meds because his doctors are not going to help me. Mm-hmm. Because if the doctor wants to help us get off the meds and then something happens to Ari, then suddenly Ari's a liability on them. Mm-hmm. And I just had to realize like, he's not their responsibility. He's my responsibility. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was kind of a couple of things at once, just kind of making us see. I also believe um, speaking scientifically, natural medicine has been around way longer than modern medicine. Mm -hmm. And if we want to look at actual science and actual um, outcomes, we have a so much more. We have a treasure trove of actual studies to look at there Mm -hmm. as opposed to modern medicine. So for us, that was part of why we were going that route.
0: Yeah. When we look at history, people have relied on tested methods of natural medicine forever. Like I'm not ignoring the fact that life expectancy is far longer now than it has ever been, but uh, people commonly used things effectively for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like this is a new thing to be like, no. oh, you should eat a lot of garlic if you're sick. You know, yeah. like,
1: this is not, <laughs> well, woohoo. I personally think that the greater common grace to us has been sanitation and hand washing. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> More than the actual medicine. But mm-hmm. I also think part of why, um, I think when Christians shy away from this, part of it is just because we don't even have basic scientific literacy anymore to have the proper lens to look at and know how to evaluate natural medicine. Yes. So instead we just let the professionals do that. Mm-hmm. But the problem is the professionals don't make the money off of the the plant you could grow in your yard for 2 bucks. Yeah. They make the money off the big medicine, so they're going to tell you, "Oh, whoa, whoa 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 whoa, let's not try that." <laughs> let's yeah. not try that. Why don't you go with my patented, <laughs> mm-hmm. <Yeah. laughs> you know. And I think also
0: as a so. society we don't have a frame of reference for self-sacrifice. So yeah. whenever a yeah. child is sick, it, um, it's sometimes quicker to go and get antibiotics or whatever it may yep. be. Um, and, and also it is less of a mental load for us if we just go to someone else and ask for the best cor- course of treatment. Um, but there are times in motherhood that we have to lay aside our um, ease Of path and say, okay, even though this may be the harder route for us to go, um, it will ultimately be better for my kid and Mm -hmm. uh, better for our family. And it's okay if it takes longer or um, maybe more research on my part. Yeah. I think one of the saddest things to me when we're
1: talking about natural medicine in the Christian realm is that it sometimes takes a really bad experience for a family to finally reevaluate what's going on. Mm-hmm. And that, it's just sad to me because
0: I'm like, I wish it wasn't that way.
1: I wish, yeah. I wish we weren't so hoodwinked, but it's just, it's kind of how it is. It's God's grace though too. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So I was going to ask you what your favorite resources were, because I'm sure that there's a lot of people who um, 2020 has maybe kickstarted their view of this Mm -hmm. and hearing this, they're like, yes, but where do I start? Because there is a lot of conflicting views when it comes to um, how to care for people. So what are some books and things that you have found to be really helpful? Um, I think the first one I actually read
1: was not a Christian book at all. It was God's Hotel. And the reason I always recommend that is because the nurse that they talk about in there is from the middle ages. And I know that the Middle Ages were some of the height of Christianity being permeated throughout all of culture, including how people were cared for mm-hmm. medically. Um, so that whole, that whole book in learning about how she cared for people was really eye-opening to just see, she, she's a doctor who was writing her dissertation about this, this nurse. And so she was trying to bring back some of those medical practices to modern um, medicine, but was completely shut down, completely shut down. And so you could, the whole book is just contrasting two different, um, it's almost like she's looking at a modern protocol and then what the flip side of that would be in the medieval times. Mm -hmm. And so that was really eye opening and got me thinking a lot of like, okay, maybe it's not so scary to think in terms of a person's vitality or even the humors of the body. I've been thinking a lot about the humors and, um, as I read the Psalms through the Bible reading challenge again. So just like kind of almost reclaiming some of that language that we feel like, whoa, this is woo woo. Let's not go there. <laughs> um, and then the second one I, I did really like um, Rachel Weaver's series as far as like hands-on knowledge, but in regards to helping form my Christian worldview of this, I really liked Shonda Parker's book, um, Mommy Diagnostics because that's kind of where she talked a little bit about, I, I feel I felt like Rachel Weavers was just kind of saying, okay, you're into natural medicine, here's all the things you can do. But Shonda Parker was still kind of trying to sell you on natural medicine as a Christian. And I, I needed that, I needed to understand how to evaluate um, science, but also how to how to evaluate my children, how to treat my children. So those have kind of been, um some of my favorites and aside from that most of my other like really formative thinking has come from christians that i really respect who also would fall in line with this and just asking all the questions i have what about this what about this how do you think about this how do you approach this now um so that's you know i've had a couple friends that have just been really valuable resources through this who have just given a lot of time to me, honestly, you have been really generous with their time and answering my questions. Yeah. Cause it isn't something you just say, Oh, Oh, tomorrow, we're just not going to vaccinate anymore. It's not, right. it's not that easy.
0: <laughs> and um, Lexi and I obviously are skeptical of big pharma and things like that. And if you're thinking that we're crazy right now, <laughs> um, I would just say that's okay. If you think we're crazy, but yeah. um, just go ahead and start reading stuff. Just go ahead yeah. and start researching stuff because that's uh, for a long time. I, was scared to start reading things because I knew that if I opened the can of worms, if I started looking down the tunnel, like that, it would be a lot to take in. Mm-hmm. And it is, it is a very lot to take in. Um, but if you start reading things, um, start watching the documentaries that people yeah. uh, have recommended to you, then, um, you know, ask for discernment, pray that God would give you wisdom and go from there. Um, yeah. And for us and our family, it was, You can't unsee things once you Mm -hmm. find out some things about whether it be vaccines or medicine or whatever it may be. You can't unsee uh, some of that stuff and then just pray that God will give your family the best wisdom to make decisions moving forward. But yeah, don't be scared, don't be freaked out. Just start reading. Yeah, I
1: think I wish I I will recommend this. I wish I would have started with Jason Garwood's sermon on vaccines and the gospel Mm -hmm. imperative because that would have helped me deal with. I, I didn't feel so much fear as I, as I felt guilt over things we had done and how it could have or could not have affected our children. Um, and he just, first of all, if you go, go follow the rabbit trail, like follow the links he talks about at the bottom of the page, go read what the other Christian pastors have written. That stuff is legitimately some of the most well-researched of anything I have read through this whole entire time. And he even got Suzanne Humphreys, who wrote Dissolving Illusions, to review his sermon notes for him which was so cool. Um, She's like one of the big anti-vax doctors. But um, I just highly recommend his sermon because he talks about how Christians are the only people equipped to look at this in an unbiased way because we have the gospel in our hands to keep us from fear. Mm -hmm. And we have the gospel in our hands to keep us from being false prophets. So I highly recommend listening to that with your husband. (laughs) Don't, like you need to get your husband... I'm not saying be pushy about it, but I am saying he needs to make this decision with and for you.
0: Yeah, because it is a huge decision to make and it feels like a load and um, it shouldn't. So yeah, that for our family, whenever we're making this choice, (laughs) making a lot of choices that we've made over 2020, um, I would be doing tons of reading and I'd be like, okay, I need you to research this. And he would, and we'd come back together and talk about it. And then I'd be like, okay, this is what I'm feeling. What are you feeling? And he would tell me, and then I'd be like, okay, ultimately, I need you to make this decision. And he'd tell yeah. me it, and he'd pray about it yeah. and ask the Lord to help him lead our family and ultimately make that decision. And again, we've talked about this before, but praise God for male <laughs> leaders. And um, I'm so very, very thankful for the way that God set up the family and ordained mm-hmm. um, headship because it is too heavy of a weight for me to take on. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm very thankful for that. So uh, God's Hotel, there's also one called Slow Medicine that you've told me about before. Yeah, I haven't read Slow
1: Medicine because Paige told me it's kind of slow and boring. Okay. My understanding is that I think Slow Medicine is the actual (laughs) dissertation, but God's Hotel is more of um, how she put it into practice, more of a memoir.
0: Okay. And then Rachel Weaver's books, you've said before, are more like reference books. So those are good ones just to have on hand that you can flip through and look at. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then I know there's one, um, with the nourishing traditions line. That's like the feeding baby and mama that has like a lot of information as far as like, I've seen before, you can just look up like pink eye and things like that. And Oh, really? Yeah.
1: Okay. So I don't, I haven't used pink eye. I guess I, so I do use the index, the subject index in the back of nourishing traditions to do a lot of research. But I do also use Weston A. Price's website mm-hmm. because usually they go to food first, but then they do also go to supplements. And I've had a lot of um, positive results from the different things they've yeah. talked about.
0: Mm-hmm. So and yeah, I did
1: forget about that.
0: You do have that one uh, lady that you always tell me about too, Aviva, Aviva Ram. Ram. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I like her too because
1: she's, um, she's an OB, a pediatrician, I believe, a midwife and an herbalist, a trained herbalist. So she has both sides of the spectrum, which, because like we're saying, we're not, we're not opposed to modern medicine. It's just that there is a vast amount of modern medicine that has absolutely no science to back it up.
0: (laughs) I like Aviva Ram too, because she, um, I remember one time this summer I was uh, researching some stuff on tick bites because we have tons of ticks where we live. (laughs) And I was researching some things on tick bites and Aviva Ram was like, you know, this, this, and this. But if you think it's Lyme disease, go to the doctor and get a lot of antibiotics. Yeah. That's yeah. Serious. So, um, I appreciate that in, in, a doctor because I, I, I don't want you to act like this can't be dangerous and you should just Correct. drink more tea, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like it's good to have a balanced view of there are times that you need to seek professional help.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a friend who her sister came to our hangout actually, and her sister is a nurse. And I was just kind of like, so what do you think? Like, here I am, I'm up here saying modern medicine is not Mm -hmm. good. And then there's a nurse sitting in the Mm -hmm. audience. I was like, so what did you think about it? And she was like, actually, I agree with everything you're saying, which is why I'm an ER nurse. Because I believe that most of the time where medicine is practiced correctly is in the emergency room.
0: Yeah. And I just
1: thought, I was like, man, that's a a really good perspective. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Okay. So another question I had for you was... um, Maybe give us like your three favorite home remedies or, okay, you know, like some things that you're super common in your house that you use all the time. And then also, uh, do you make them or do you buy them or give okay. us some like make versus buy?
1: Um, okay. So we have vitamin C on hand all the time because vitamin C can use, be used for almost anything. Look into vitamin C therapy. If this is something you want to know more about. Uh, Rachel Weaver has an entire section in the back of one of her books for it. It's something that's used all across the world by actual doctors for um, if you catch a disease that we vaccinate for, but they don't, they'll treat it with vitamin C therapy. So that's a really, really big tool in my toolkit as a mom. Um, People's Pays. What do you use? Oh, yes. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah. So I like to use, um, it's a powder. Well, okay. So for like daily maintenance or when we're not really, really sick, I like to use the ascorbic acid powder by Nutribiotic. I just, I don't like GMOs. (laughs) Go watch the bot documentary. I don't like GMOs. Mm -hmm. There's lots of reasons in that documentary for as why not, but um, it's a non-GMO plant-based variety. Um, But when we're actually, actually sick, I like to use the lipospheric vitamin C. And my understanding is that since it's in a gel, it kind of it doesn't break down as quickly in your body so it can actually get to the sick cells Mm -hmm. as a more, um, whole piece of Mm -hmm. nutrient basically and fight there. So what we, it's a little expensive. So we save that, um, for when we're
0: actually sick.
1: Yeah. But what's that stuff? You just told me about the aerial,
0: the food based one. Yeah. So I got to see how it's spelled because I never say it right. Um, Maybe BioBa, is that right? Let me see, hold on. I think it's BioBa, B A O B A B. So it is higher in vitamin C than an orange, and it's easier to digest than absorbic acid. Um, Vitamin C is also great for healing the body. So it's something that um, I'm taking leading up to labor, even. So yeah, Yeah. that's something that you can put in smoothies or like make a lemonade for kids to drink.
1: Okay. And with vitamin C, yeah, you, like your body just pees out the extra so you can't yeah, overdose you can't on overdose. it. I think, yeah.
0: you can, um well, you can take it to bowel tolerance. So basically yes. you can take it That's to the area. Say. But yeah. um but I watched, I think this was on the High Wire one day. They were interviewing some natural medicine doctors that were doing vitamin C therapy for their patients that had like severe cases of COVID. And they were saying, and he was asking them like, how much vitamin C D should you take? And I think he was saying, was it like a thousand milligrams an hour that you can take? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, which is so much more than what you would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you can you can take a lot of vitamin C and yeah. you can do a lot of good stuff for the body if you're sick really quickly. You
1: can take it when you're pregnant, as long as you're not taking it like in really, really high, high, high doses. Um, I don't know. I've read mixed reviews on this. My midwife told me, eh, that's not true. But I have a friend whose midwife told her, no, don't take it. People will use it to try and induce self-induced abortions.
0: Oh gosh, um,
1: But I think you're also supposed to not, with a lot of herbal remedies, you're actually not supposed to take them longer than two weeks because your body gets used to it and then it's not as effective anymore. But with vitamin C, I do know that, like, if you're taking high doses over a long period of time, it can cause rebound scurvy for the baby. So, I do try to just take it when I'm actually sick, when I'm pregnant. Okay. So, the next thing I would say that I use a lot is the people's paste with little boys around. It's just there's constantly blood everywhere. <laughs> um, and I like it because I don't make my own well, for the most part, I have grown some herbs this last year, but for blends, I don't rely on making my own, especially if it's not an herb that I am familiar with. So I wanted something, I was kind of thinking like, well, what am I going to rush to the emergency room for? Usually I get really nervous about blood and usually I get really nervous about high fevers. So for me, those were like the two big things. I need to figure out how to fight fevers naturally and I need to figure out how to deal with blood naturally. So people's pace was the answer because it had, um, it's a combination that has like blood clotting herbs. Um, what do they call them, like astringent, I think it's astringent herbs that can clean the wound, but then also um, herbs that just help promote healthy skin. So I use that stuff all the time. Ira should have had stitches last, last week actually, and I got away with just using the people's paste and <laughs> butterfly stitches. Um, and it's just worked so many different times. So we love it. Yeah. We will love, love it, love it.
0: One more, give me one more, another one of your favorite. Okay, one more.
1: Um, let's see. I would probably say I do like to have like tinctures. Ginger tincture is one that we use a lot around here for headaches mm-hmm. specifically. Um, Brian uses it and I use it. It's kind of hot. So the kids will use it sometime, but then they're just like, no, nah, I'm not doing that again, mom. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, that's a good one just for all over like inflammation, pain relief. Avivaram has the actual breakdown on her, one of her blogs um, in regards to acetaminophen. But I believe in actual studies, I think it's two dropperfuls. It's one or two dropperfuls is the equivalent to 500 milligrams of Tylenol. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that was just like a really, really easy switch that I actually did years ago before we were ever doing trying to go this more all natural route. Yeah. So we've used that one for a long time. Yeah. And I don't make my tinctures. Because I don't know, this is just my philosophy behind it. I want this stuff to actually work.
0: Mm-hmm. I want
1: my husband to see that it works, and I don't want to have to mess around with my little children.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I would prefer to buy it from the sources that I trust, who are actually distilling
0: it correctly. Yeah, because, because this I stuff don't, is legit. Yes. It's, not, it's not things that don't work. We've talked Correct. about that before too. It's like you can have adverse side effects to natural yes. medicine for sure. So you yeah. do have to be careful. It's not just like um, pour a gallon of echinacea in your bathtub and see what happens. <laughs> yeah.
1: I make salves because for salves, I'm not as concerned, yeah. but I don't make my own tinctures. Yeah. So,
0: so we make elderberry syrup and that's something that we've done for years, um, just as an immune booster. And we really like that. Um, another thing that we've done this year that I have really liked is the active skin repair spray. It's like, oh, an, yeah, yeah, yeah. or neosporin basically mm-hmm. uh, without yucky ingredients in it. And I use that all the time it doesn't cool. when you spray it on so that's like the quote-unquote medicine if someone gets mm-hmm. a spray, knee um that oh. you know, and instead of you know cleaning it and you know, pour out a band-aid it's I spray this and they're very happy yeah, yeah. now I had medicine does
1: it help does it help like numb does that make sense uh no
0: it's you okay. use it on it minor wounds cut scrapes sunburns normal burns, chafing, rashes, insect bites, and other skin irritations. So it's like one of those catch-all things we use a lot. Um, But it has, let me see, it has something in it that helps your skin repair quicker than it normally would. Um, I was going to read on here and see what it was called because I can't remember. Okay, it's the COCL. It's naturally produced by white blood cells in our bodies, and it's a natural way to support support the natural healing process. So um, it basically just makes your body heal faster, and it cleans the wound. So that's something that is a ton. Oh, yeah, that's pretty big,
1: especially if a child has like a bad cut, and they don't want to.
0: Yeah. And then headaches is another thing that I knew that I wanted a replacement for grabbing ibuprofen and I get sinus headaches. So I needed a replacement for the ibuprofen Sudafed combination that I would do frequently. Mm -hmm. Um, so when I went looking for that, um, it was a ginger black pepper combo. Oh yeah. And, um, if you live in Southern Illinois, reach out to me because I will, um, direct you to a friend of mine that. Um, has a natural medicine shop and she's also super na- uh, knowledgeable about a lot of this stuff but she actually makes makes capsules that are ginger ba- black pepper and um, i think it's ginger turmeric black pepper yeah that makes sense yeah and um and those honestly like will kick a headache like i have taken to ibuprofen so um wow yeah. that's awesome so i'm really okay. really grateful that we found that and jared gets migraines so he'll take those. And then I also have a roller ball. That's like a headache roller ball that we will use too. That has essential oils in it. I think like peppermint is one of the main things in that. So, um, yeah, those are our three big, so he has, he's found those to be effective for his bad headaches too. Yeah. He's still, um, he still reaches for Excedrin.
1: Yeah. He he gets really bad
0: headaches. Um, but we are um, fairly confident that his are dehydration induced because he will oh. go for runs and not mm. drink water and then get a really bad headache. And I'll be like, did you drink water after your run yesterday? And he's like, maybe a glass. I'm like, okay, <laughs> should have drank like 70 <laughs> more ounces than that. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, uh, <clears throat> he just is very active. So um, mm-hmm. drinking things is... Uh, other than coffee is a strain for him until he gets a headache. It's like a once a month situation where I'll get a bad headache and then (sighs) go through the whole day of having a migraine and then be like, I have got to drink water and this will, he will do a great job for a few weeks and then be like feeling better and then forget about the need for water in his body. So. That's funny. Yeah. But, um, that would be my recommendation on starting it out. Um, if there are minor things that your family deals with, whether it be, you know, headaches or whatever it may be, constipation, like that's Mm -hmm. really common with kids, whatever it may be, just like start doing some research on some natural ways that you can substitute things that you would normally have in the cabinet and see if it works, see if it works for your family. Yeah. And I was going to also say like
1: use PubMed to research because there are, there are actual over-the-counter medicines, medical therapies, allopathic therapies that actually work but don't rely on the doctor to know all of that information. You need to do that research for yourself. So PubMed is a great, great, great resource.
0: Yeah. I started quickly finding out um, (laughs) whenever I would, I, my, I had postpartum hyperthyroid with one of our children after I had him. And uh, I went to the doctor with a list of, this is when I first was starting some natural medicine stuff, a list of natural remedies that I had been researching to ask his advice about what he thought about them And, just n- oh, wow. no input whatsoever. So <laughs> oh, wow. uh, if you if you want to know more about this kind of stuff, it is sometimes hard to find a good resource that you can bounce ideas off of um, mm-hmm. because not a lot of just like family doctors will be um, that knowledgeable about natural options. No. no, and it's
1: not their fault. They're literally trained to yeah. look for disease in the body. They're not yeah. trained for signs of health. So
0: yeah, it's not... It's not their job to let you know if a gluten-free diet would help with your thyroid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, So anyways, yeah, I think that's pretty much it for this one. What do you think, Lexi? Anything else you want to yeah. add? No, I think, I think that's a lot of
1: information for people to chew on. <laughs>
0: yeah. I <laughs> think okay, thanks for listening. And if you have other resources that have been helpful for your families, uh, let us know. We're always wanting to learn more. So thanks yep. for listening.
1: Bye.